You're listening to The Bible for Normal People, the only God-ordained podcast on the internet. Serious talk about the sacred book. I'm Pete Enns. And I'm Jared Bias. Hey, welcome everybody to the first episode of Season 3 of The Bible for Normal People podcast. Season 3, Jared. Woo-hoo. It just seems like yesterday. And so it begins. Started out. When we were so wee naive. pups. Like, what is a podcast? Just babies in a manger, really. Just babies in a manger. Anyway, but here we are. And our episode today is, what does Christian art even mean? And our guest is hip-hop artist Propaganda. Yeah, we have for this season some hard-hitting Bible scholars, some great practitioners. We've got it all, but today we're going to start with Prop, Prop, as we affectionately call him. His buddies call him Prop. Prop. Yeah. And he's a, he's a hip-hop artist who had an album come out in 2012. He's had other albums, but that one called Excellent really put him on the map, had a lot of some controversy, but a lot of good stuff on that. So we talked to him about his upbringing, his faith about the Bible and how how it shifted, how he read mm-hmm. the Bible shifted, and how that wasn't always, that's not always a good thing. Right. Yeah. For him, he had to like relearn respect for how he was raised after sort of getting into like needing to have all the answers kind of stuff. That's the way I put it. But, and just, it just came out of that just amazingly balanced and wonderful to talk to. He's just so much fun to hear the wisdom that I think he's collected over the years of having to navigate some difficult waters and thinking about what it means to be an artist who is also a Christian, and what does that even mean? You know, what does Christian even mean when you're talking about art? That sort of came out too. And those are just just fabulous, fantastic, deep discussions that we had with him. Yeah, and and I think while it's about art, I do I would hope to draw all of us uh, our attention to the implications of that. That's the art world, and what happens when we use these code words and other things. But I think it applies to so many other areas right. of our faith and how we make these distinctions between who's in and who's out on what are if we if we break it down are pretty ludicrous reasons. Yeah, and and that for any part of our humanity that works, but for a lot of us probably listening to this podcast, it has to do with maybe the world of ideas, for example. Like and you have to have certain code words and you're in or you're out. And that's true about you know, most of our humanity, I think, we, we tend to build these walls. And Prop's not about building walls. That's for darn sure. I'll tell you that. All right. Well, All let's right. get into this conversation. Let's do that. Like, you legit talking about rated R movies right now? Like, that's what you, that's the hill you finna die on right now? Like, oh, do you listen to secular music? And I'm like, what? Do you, what? Like, for real? That's what y'all worried about? Of, like, this crack flooding our streets. What? Like... Uh, I, you, that's that's your biggest problem is listening to secular music. Like it felt like the fifties to me. Oh man, don't don't chew gum in school. Like word, that's the greatest sin right now is chewing gum in school. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra fast WordPress hosting with one hundred percent uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud. The new web hosting plan from Bluehost, with 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Well, it's that time, folks. It's time for us to talk about microdosing. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. Microdosing can help you get into a relaxed, focused zone easier and stay there longer. It has benefits for workout recovery, sleep, anxiety relief, boosting creativity, and even pain relief. You know, Jared, I have a really good friend of mine who saw that I was taking microdose gummies and she said, can I try some? And so I gave her some of the sativa strand and she said it has made such a difference for her at work and just in general, just feeling more alert and more focused. And it's quite amazing. So get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code NORMALPEOPLE. That's one word. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code NORMALPEOPLE for 30% off and free shipping. microdose.com. Promo code NORMALPEOPLE. All right. Well, welcome to this episode of the Bible for Normal People and welcome prop. 
to you, and, and thank you for joining us. What's up? You're all heretics. Thank you. Wait, thank wait. you, and goodbye. That, thank that's you. That's our was, show for this that's week, That's our show folks. for the evening. Thank you. <laughs> we just wanted some validation here, Prop. Thanks. That's all we needed. <laughs> Excellent. Well, hey, you know, thanks for for stopping by. Let's get started with uh, how we often want to get started with these things. Give people a little context, tell a little about yeah, your dude. story, and and bring us up to speed on on where you're at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just kidding about the first part. If you didn't figure that out already. <laughs> yeah. So my name is uh, Propaganda Prophet Short. I uh, wasn't born that. I was born Jason. I'm from South Central Los Angeles. I grew up in and around the L.A. basin, all over the place, different San Gabriel Valley. I've lived in just all over the place. I uh, come from sort of like almost like a borderland between the black neighborhoods and the Latino neighborhoods. I lived like right on sort of the overlap of those two communities. Just sort of my space of origin was like almost like bicultural in nature. My father was a Vietnam War vet and Black Panther. (laughs) And my mother's, you know, from D.C., just East Coast girl, fell in love with a Southern boy who was originally from Texas, who, uh, you know, it's kind of a funny story about how my parents (laughs) met. Now I'm going way far back, but this is actually a funny story. My father was sharing a bunk with a dude from D.C. who happened to be friends with this pretty young thing that he was writing letters to. And he kind of looked over the, the shoulder and was like, yo, who's that? Can I write letters to her? And that's how he met my mom. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, when he got out, he joined the Black Panther Party. His family had already moved to Watts. And uh, that's why I'm a L.A. boy. Anyway, so that's kind of where it started with me. I fell in love with hip hop, partially just the backdrop of Los Angeles, but mostly because, again, when you're in a Latino neighborhood during this time, during like the war on drugs and kind of the crack attack, just, it's just the birth of whatever, like, you know, sort of gang culture that y'all all know. The world that grew N.W.A. Like, so if you grew in that, but you wasn't in a neighborhood that really allowed you to sort of bang. You just found other stuff that entertained you. And I found, you know, the other things that was happening in Los Angeles, like the Bones Brigade and skateboarding and graffiti and hip hop. So I, I found all that during that time and just really found a voice for that. And again, if you're from a family that's, you know, pretty militant, you know what I'm saying? Like the type of hip hop I fell in love with. You got to remember, this is like public enemy age and arrested development and just like, peace, love, and unity and having fun and just that sort of like uplift the community type hip hop that like, of course, my father, when he heard that, it just absolutely resonated. And that's what was allowed into my house. And that's the way I saw the world already. So that's just the route I went. So how, how does your how does your faith play into that story? That's dope, actually. So when my parents became Christians, when I was in elementary school, we just kind of like found a church in a phone book. Like you could Google what a phone book is, but uh, we just we just found a church in a phone book, <laughs> and we just happened to land at this place that was just like super progressive in the sense, super progressive for like the late '80s. You know what I'm saying? Like you know they it was guys from like legendary graffiti groups. It was like legendary like skateboarders like went to our church because their parents were Christians, you know, and. They would let us like, I mean, the big kids would like, I mean, it was painting like graffiti murals on our back walls. And we were, I guess I came from a church that just kind of allowed us to bring like our full selves and like experiences. Like the guy that led me to Jesus, my eighth grade middle school, like Sunday school teacher was like a known gang member, you know what I'm saying? Who just came to faith, you know what I'm saying? So would you say that that community then, so like me growing up in, in Texas in a, in a more Southern tradition, we would have been like pop culture versus Jesus. Yeah. And it sounds like you were in a community that actually embraced culture in, in certain ways. Yeah. It was like, what are you going to do? You know what I'm saying? I think their biggest concern was like, don't join a gang, don't get a girl pregnant. That was just, that's all they wanted for us, right? So if you liked rap, it was like, oh, that's cool. That's like art, you know? So they were just like, yeah, let's do that, you know? We, it was just like so I didn't have like it's like you said from that like southern perspective that kind of grew a lot of like Christian music I just didn't have that bifurcation of like if you're a believer you can't do this type of music we of course had to like you shouldn't be talking about certain things as, as a believer but like you know you, you just if you love hip-hop you didn't use Christian as an adjective it wasn't like Christian music no it was just like there was no yeah there was no like Christian music was gospel music. Like, you know, we black, like there's choirs. You know what I'm saying? Like that's Christian music. You know, it was, it was worship songs. It wasn't like a Christian contemporary. It wasn't like festivals. We didn't have Christian radio stations. We had gospel stations. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, so there wasn't, if you love hip hop, you went where hip hop was. There wasn't any sort of 
alternative, like sort of bizarro world, like that just didn't exist. If you liked hip hop, you went where hip hop was. And you had groups like Poor Righteous Teachers or like Tribe Called Quest. These people were just like openly Muslim. They brought their faith to the mic, you know? So you just didn't think twice about it, you know? So you brought who you were to your verses, you know? And if you were good, you were good. And at the end of the day, that's really like, that was the the capital that we sort of uh, traversed in. That was our economy was skills. Like if you could rap, you could rap, you know what I'm saying? And that was in a lot of ways, that was your greatest apologetic, even for your world belief is like, well, I don't know, well, can you rap? Like if you was not a good rapper, nobody wanted to hear about your Jesus, you know what I'm saying? So, I, yeah, I just kind of came out of that. I was kind of like blindsided when somebody asked me how long I was doing like Christian rap or gospel. I was like, I don't know what the hell that is. What does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? You know what I'm saying? So you, you never had to baptize sort of your art with like Christianese. It right? wasn't until I tried to sell an album. It wasn't until I hit the road, right? And, and started getting booked at things that I realized that, yeah, you man, you got to have these like signals, these triggers, and it's just these well, like this yeah, coded speech. Yeah. Let's go into that. Yeah, that coded speech. So you have this interesting perspective of not having that before and then entering it later where a lot of us kind of grew up in it. So we wouldn't have known any difference. So yeah. what what was that experience like? Like what were those things that you kind of, those code words um, it was, that you started feeling? I mean, we, you've heard the jokes like the, the, the JPMs, like the Jesus per minutes, you know what I'm saying? Like when you... <laughs> When you're doing songs. I've never heard that before. I don't know if you ever heard that, but yeah. It's no, like, I did not. Yeah, you're Jesus for minute, like, quotas. And, and then, like, I didn't have any sort of, like, the, I mean, I knew what I believed. You know, my my grandmother's, like, brothers, Greater Union Missionary Baptist Church, Compton, California. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I knew I knew what I was talking about, but I didn't have the theological chops to give you an apologetic for it. You know what I'm saying? So, I I, I was just more sort of taken back where I was like I just I didn't understand and it was just so it was almost like from an anthropological perspective I was just like ah, this is so curious to me and there was part of me that felt like since I didn't become since I didn't come from like a a bible belt culture that I was just like yo this is really rad that like you y'all could just be just openly Christian you could just you talk about you talk about Jesus at school like that's crazy you know what I'm saying like (laughs) dang that's a cross right there on that. Look at this commercial. It's a G- Y'all talk about Jesus on TV? Like it was such a like I didn't know to I didn't know to take that for granted, nor did I know to think that that was sort of this stale kind of like not authentic experience since I didn't come from that. I was like, "Yo, this is man, y'all got it good out here." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then the opposite of being like, well, realizing like, "Yo, that's all you know and that's not who y'all really are." was like really like i was just more anthropological i was just like man how did y'all what is this like how did you well can you explain that because that's really interesting you said it a couple times that's not who you really are like like you mean inauthentic it that's this way it came off because they would okay and to me in the sense that like you there long enough and it's like oh y'all just y'all just go to church because you go to church it's just what you Hmm. do and i'm like in California, if you go to church, fam, like this is a conscious decision, you know, that it's not a normal thing in my experience. Like you've made a countercultural decision to step into this space. You know what I'm saying? Whereas I, it was to me, it was interesting to be like, that's not countercultural for y'all. That's normal. Yeah, it's a cultural reality. It's that- a cultural reality that everybody goes to yeah. church. You know what I'm saying? So to me, it was like, oh, you didn't have to fight for this. That's just that's just what y'all do. So to me, it just, it just sounded like my first impression was like, Oh, y'all don't, you don't mean this. This is just who y'all, this is just what you guys do. You know? And I don't know, obviously there's a, it was a first impression type thing. So it's like, there's way more nuances than that. But my first impression was, Oh, this, that's just what y'all do. You're really in this, especially when what signaled once you get into the roots of like what signaled Christian to you, you know what I'm saying? And then and and in my mind, like which I was wrestling with, like you worry, like you legit talking about rated R movies right now. Like that's what you that's the hill you finna die on right now. Like secular music. Like, oh, do you listen to secular music? And I'm like, what do you what? Like, for real, that's what y'all worried about? Of like this crack flooding our streets. You <laughs> yeah. what? Like 
Uh, I, you, that's that's your biggest problem is listening to secular music. Like it felt like the fifties to me. Oh man, don't don't chew gum in school. Like word, that's the greatest sin right now is chewing gum in school. You know. Well, I think you know whenever you identify, like when you identify, which we a lot of us do, we kind of identify what we're against helps us yeah. define who we are. And mm-hmm. but when we're all the same, when you're in this homogeneous group, yeah. we can get real nitpicky. Yeah. You know, like whenever there's enough Christians to kind of be fat and happy, then yeah. we get real nitpicky about it. It's like we yeah, have we to find stuff. Yeah, we have to sort of find something that we're against yeah. so that we can sort of show that we yeah. that we are we're the true Christians. And then it just gets absurd at, yeah. at some point. And of course there was like these like experiences. Like I said, since I grew up in this like Latino neighborhood, there were these like outreaches that some of the churches out here were doing that were like just really like street born, sort of like cholo kind of mexican-american experience like churches and they would put on these plays you know these like full-on theatrical with like like real sounding guns and just like like just like remaking this sort of like mexican gang experience that was like almost like y'all it's a little too real you know what i mean and <laughs> since i didn't really gangbang like and not only did i not gangbang i wasn't a mexican gang member you know what i'm saying so like that was like our version of like outreach like we're gonna do these plays with these like low riders and these cholos and this gang stuff and somebody got shot and now and now it's like what's gonna happen are you gonna go to hell like you, you know what i'm saying and then they do their their gospel pitch you know and that again to me was so peculiar because again like i didn't gangbang like i just i'm like I, that's stupid why would i <laughs> i would never make the decision that this character in this play made you know so it was just i don't know it was like like I said, I just existed in this borderland where it was just, you just naturally bicultural. So I think that's why I kept saying it was anthropological to me because I feel like I grew up in a world that I had to kind of be like that when my neighbors were either undocumented or didn't speak English. So you just like, you just live in this space where you're just like, man, I just, that's not my experience, but I'm here and it's kind of interesting. It's becoming, I'm enveloping it and it's, I know it's making me see the world better because I'm getting a perspective that's not my own, but it's still peculiar, you know? So I felt like traveling into sort of Christianese world, it, it almost resonated the same way that like growing up in a Latino neighborhood resonated to where it was just like this, I'm with y'all, but I'm not y'all. Like this is different, you know? Right. Right. So how did how did uh, growing up in these you having different feet in these different worlds? Mm-hmm. How did the Bible play into that? How did it affect how you saw it? What it was used for? Well, yeah, I think that our pastor at this church was really an academic. I think at the end of the day, he was an looking back, he was an academic. So the sermons and such were just so kind of in the rafters. So I think that early on, I had more of an astute like biblical literacy than I thought I did and then I would go to my uncle's church you know which was "Mm, hey you know and like I think these things made me kind of almost primed me to understand that there are so many variant ways that people experience the faith and they experience the bible because I'm hearing the bible preached in so many different tones and so many different languages, so many different voices that, and there was no way in the world, although at some point I did do this, but this was again later on, where I can't discredit the experience of my Uncle Chorus Gene or my Uncle Billy Ray, you know what I'm saying, who was my Mama Winnie's pastor who, you know, ain't had but a third grade education, you know what I'm saying, but like, she's the holiest person I knew, you know what I'm saying, so I can't, I can't discredit that, but I also can't discredit you know, my own pastor, who's like the dean of ethics at the local seminary, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't discredit that either. I also can't discredit this like, you know, bilingual Spanish speaker dude who's just worried about these little boys joining 18th Street. That's a Mexican-American street gang from Los Angeles. So you so you had all these expressions that actually for you... I have all these expressions already. Yeah. So it was like, who am I to tell any of these people if we are it's just like we're all looking at the same book and I felt like we was all kind of desiring the same end which was make much of Jesus you know what I'm saying that like I said I I mean I didn't know the vocabulary to tell you that well this is what I was learning you were learning about the different denominations you learn about cultural expressions you didn't, I didn't I didn't know that you know what I'm saying but that's what I was experiencing it wasn't until 
you start getting it for me when you start getting exposed to like reform theology and and seminary and calvinism that sort of give you language that basically says all them suckers is wrong you're so upset that's sort of the language they give you for that you know what i mean like <laughs> nobody in your past understood the scriptures you know what i'm saying like your grandmama don't know what she's talking about you feel me your um a calling is a powerful thing it's a very strong belief that there is something bigger for you it's about who you are and where you're going in life you may be in college, you may be halfway through a career, but you want something different. There's a place for you at Union Presbyterian Seminary, where students are prepared for a call to ministry. At Union, you will find a diverse community. You'll find students from different denominations and professors who will listen to you and challenge you. You'll find people who help you find your own path. You'll find a school where financial realities matter. Union offers generous financial aid, and it meets you where you are with three different platforms for learning. Residential, online, and hybrid. You'll find a world-class faculty who will invest in you, a community long after you graduate that supports you and equips you for service and for leadership. Safwat Marzuk, who has been on the podcast here on The Bible for All People, is a faculty at Union Presbyterian Seminary and is slated to write one of our upcoming commentaries. It's no secret, if you're a listener of the podcast, how much Pete and I have relied on our seminary education and how much that has shaped our view of the world and all of our work here at The Bible for Normal People. It's your call. Respond with Union Presbyterian Seminary. To learn more, go to upsem.edu or email admissions at upsem.edu. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with that, their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee is amazing. They offer free plant consultation forever. We got our bushes in, and you can tell I don't know what I'm talking about because I just call them bushes. But we got them in last night. And Fast Growing Trees knows what they're called. Exactly. That's the whole point. It comes with this placard that tells you exactly what to do like you were in fifth grade, which is the exact instruction <laughs> level that I needed. And it was very easy to follow. We loved the process. This spring, they have their best deals online up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code NORMALPEOPLE at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code NORMALPEOPLE at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code NORMALPEOPLE. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. I guess yeah. your spiritual nurturing time. Yes. You know, from, I guess you said you were junior high school or something. When, yeah. You, you didn't experience a lot of hangups that... A lot of our listeners probably have because they were a lot of them were raised. Yeah, you experience Jesus a yeah. lot, but it's you've got to think the right things. It's not just about like keep away from this gang. It's more yeah. like this is what you have to believe about Adam. Even even if your pastors, for example, believed a certain thing about Adam, that might not have been harped from the pulpit every Sunday. Like, if you don't hold on to these particular ideas, these particular ways of thinking about the Bible, yeah. then you're really sub-Christian. I'm, I'm guessing you didn't... No, it was the opposite, yeah. Good for you. You didn't have that in your back? No, yeah. okay. but... but- I enveloped it. There was a moment later on, you know what I'm saying, when you when you when you discover that stuff in the twenty in your twenty for me, I discovered it in my twenties of like, oh, that is called theology. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And again, if you didn't come from a place that made that a big deal, it felt at the time felt like a, a you know, a gulp from a fresh spring. I was like, Oh, there's terms for this. Oh, you know, oh, well, tell me more. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm i in college. I'm studying, like, intercultural studies and sociology and, you know what I'm saying? And I'm looking at these, like, ancient cultures and civilizations. I was an illustration major, illustration and intercultural studies. And it was just like, yo, like, I had never thought of my faith academically. I, it turns out, like I said, my pastor was an academic, but I didn't know that. You know what I'm saying? And now you're curious. Yeah, now I'm like curious. Like, now I'm like, yeah, yo, tell me more. You, it's not a way of building borders between you and other Christians. No. Right? So okay. it was like I was, but so it was almost like I was, like I said, I was told later, hey, everything you learned before this moment is false. 
you know and it was like so there was moments where i was like yo am i was i even was i even saved then like was my pastor saved was my grandmother saved like you know and you start so there was a it was a crazy it was an unraveling of some bad practices but also some very good practices that i thought me being a faithful believer meant that rather than to amalgamate that stuff i was supposed to abandon it you know so yeah so it was like so what your listeners experience i experienced till later i came in Actually, I realize now with a much healthier understanding of the faith than, than I gained when my sort of apologetic chops got better. Hey, everyone. My name is Robert Oss from Portland, Oregon, and I am part of the producers group here at the Bible for Normal People. One thing I've appreciated about this podcast is all the great guests and interesting topics that are covered. If you've gotten something from this free podcast, I want to tell you a way that you can help support Pete and Jared in their work. This podcast is brought to you by supporters on the Patreon platform. And as you know, for as little as $1 a month, you can be part of the group to help support Pete and Jared in sending this free podcast out to more people just like yourselves. If you can't support financially, feel free to go to iTunes and review and rate the podcast. That goes a long way to help others find us. One group in particular I want to thank is the producers group who give healthy feedback to Pete and Jared on what they do wrong and how to improve the podcast even more. So a huge thanks goes out to John C. Bruss, Sean Michael Phillips, Dorsey Marshall, Michelle One Snyder, Scott Goldman, Britt Miracle, Trevor Barak, Esther Getz. We couldn't do it without you. Now, back to the podcast. So how how did you then? I, I guess you passed through that. Yes. Let's call it apologetic moment. And many help help our listeners understand like how uh, you did that. I'll tell you how Trayvon Martin. Oh, <laughs> it was okay. like because again, my north star, like my father was a Black Panther. So my understanding of faith and politics in social justice, like these are not these aren't three points. This is one. Thing. Like, even just hearing people say, well, that's a social justice gospel. I'm like, well, I, I, okay, I don't understand how you separated the two. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, these are, they can't be competing forces because they're one. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I came from that already, that understanding. So I assumed that about the person, somebody else. But then it was just like, man, at the end of the day, dog, like, I can't help but being black. Like, I don't care what your, <laughs> what your tradition is, like, what your theological tradition is. I came to Jesus black. I'm standing at the cross black. I got black eyes. I don't know what to tell you. You know, <laughs> so if a young black man who, I mean, I I saw Trayvon Martin, I saw me. I'm like, yeah, I have been in that moment. Like, no, I'm, I'm walking home. I'm minding my own business. I got headphones in. I got a hoodie on because it's cold, right? And you trying to tell me I shouldn't have crossed through your backyard. Okay, my bad. Sorry. I'll go to the street. Dang, chill. You know what I'm saying? And then... I just, what, I'm not allowed to have my hands in my pocket? Like, are you serious right now? Like, even if it's a bag of Skittles or it's not a bag of Skittles that was in my pocket, what, where's the law that said I can't have my hands in my pocket? You know what I'm saying? So, Mm -hmm. and, and the cost of me responding in a way when someone was completely out of line and disrespectful to me is death? You know what I'm saying? That's the cost? You tell me somebody cut you off on the road and for you to defend yourself means it's okay for you to die? So I'm thinking my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ understand how preposterous that is. And even if I'm not making sort of a a, a political statement, I'm just saying from a human perspective, yo, that's a tragedy. Little homie shouldn't have died. I just I feel like there's no both sides to the coin of this. George Zimmerman's wrong. A hundred percent. He's wrong. There's no. Well, you got to look at what look at what? You killed the boy. So you talk about this as a mo- as a way of changing your thinking. So were you getting pushback about that? Like, were there things that were happening? Are you kidding me, bro? Like, yes. L- let me guess, from white people? From white people. Wow. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Y'all are still racist. So then all of my understanding of being the son of a Black Panther and what I know about history and what I know about, and then all of it comes together. I was like, I thought 
since y'all had y'all theology right and you fronting like you have your theology right that somehow or another you was different southerners you know what i'm saying and then it was like no your historical narrative came together your granddaddy owned slaves and i'm like oh you, and your and your understanding of theology didn't change you you still racist so then that thread and then there was just, you know, just a cruel amount of just people just dying at the hands of policemen and just watching this ire and just people and it's just feeling like I can't believe I have to explain this to you. Like, how is this? And it's like, yo, do you know any other black people? Like, do you know any other people of color? Period. I just do you hear how callous you are? Like, this just I don't care about your political stances right now. I'm just like, yo, just human to human. How you read the same Bible I read. Hell, how are you the same species that I am? You're so and you're not drawing the same conclusion. Like I just don't understand how your right to the Second Amendment somehow or another surpasses is more important than the death of a 14 year old little boy. Like how is that? I look. I really like sushi. Really, really, really like sushi. But you were to tell me. That me eating this sushi is gonna cause some little some little kid to die. You know what, dude? Maybe we're just gonna have to let go of sushi. It's all good. You know, I like sushi, mm -hmm. but if you're telling me that like your child finna die because I ordered this plate of sushi, I don't want your kid to die, dude. I like sushi, but I just you know I don't think your kid should die over my preference of sushi. You know what? Let's just let's get ramen. Let's we'll just get ramen. It's all good. You know what I'm saying? I could let it go. I just couldn't understand. Like, and then it was just like this just unraveling of like, oh, you don't believe in the faith. You just want to be right. And then it was like, oh, and you're and it's not even Christianity at all. You y'all just patriots. You just, you think American is gospel. And I'm like, oh, okay. We don't believe the same thing. And then that was the beginning of just being like realizing the other sort of like pieces, the baggage that came with what I thought was sort of good theology. Well, it's it's more than just you don't believe the same thing. It's like you have a different God. Yes, at the end of the day. You know? That's the way. At it, the end of the day, you have a different God. Yeah, yeah. that's the way it felt. I, I want to maybe tie this to your music. What, how, what was happening in your career at this time? Did, were there implications to that side of your world? I wonder. I think that there was, since I came out the, like, so my sort of, introduction to Christian industry popularity was a poem called Precious Puritans, where I just took a jab at them, you know, and just was like, well, you know, I don't understand why y'all like them so much. I mean, they was chaplains on slave ships. Like, why are you acting like these people had all of their work figured out? Like, how come nobody's connecting these dots, right? So that was my introduction, right? So I think I came out the gate swinging in their eyes that like, okay, this guy's different. You know what I'm saying? And it was, so I think I gathered around me the fringe kind of people already, right? And then there was like the elements of, of sort of my career that was like, hey, this guy's edgy. Let's invite him into these things. And it was like, let's kind of sort of like use his edginess to kind of like almost validate that, hey, look, we're hip, we're cool. We're, we're on the edge too, right? But it kept me like, I was never going to get booked on Winter Jam. Like, you ain't finna make the top of the top, but make us look cool. You, you understand what I'm right, saying? Right, right. We, we want to use you for your edginess, but that we're not going to yes. leverage that to, to your gain. Yeah. But we're not listening right. to you. Yeah. You don't have a voice. You just have a, a commodity for people to exploit. Yes. So I think that that sort of like, just out the box being that, like it shut down. Whereas somebody different than like a Lecrae who had this like full metamorphosis to where, you know, he was more like a darling. Like they loved him. And then it was like, hey guys, newsflash, like I'm black too. You know what I'm saying? Like, so when you say they, who do you, who are you talking about? You say they loved him. I'm saying like from a systemic perspective, sort of, sort of like Christendom as an institution and as an institution that has built an, an infrastructure of economy and commerce. You know what I'm saying? So like sort of the buyers, if you will, and then the gatekeepers of those buyers that would sort of like control kind of Western evangelicalism as a commodity. That's the they. Yeah. And, and that I just kind of wanted to, because I, you know, I've uh, have some other friends kind of in that the Christian music industry or mm -hmm. in the Christian publishing industry where yeah. they, they kind of are those gatekeepers that have these code words yeah. and it's 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 not a robust understanding of what faith is about it's just how many of these code words can you check off the box totally whether I, you're in or not yeah there's a reality of like and i 
I feel like for the well-thinking person, it should feel freeing to know that like we're just talking about another industry and an industry has buyer's rules and commerce. There's only so much elasticity. You know what I'm saying? There's only so much that you can do that will serve your base of buyers. You know what I'm saying? And if you just kind of like give the buyers what they're looking for, then you're fine. You know what I'm saying? Don't conflate, which means that like, well, it's not our Christian walk. It's not our faith. It's like you said, these these signs that make this commercially viable, which would mean, like I said, it should give you a, a, a sigh of relief to know that like if no one buys your book, doesn't mean you're not a faithful Christian. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. And if and if a million people buy your book, that also doesn't mean you're a faithful Christian. It just means you work the market well. So it should it should be freeing and for me it was you know it's like oh okay i just got to play by the rules this doesn't mean that god has accepted me or not accepted me if i don't get on that stage well it's it's interesting to me because it feels like a narrowing of how we think about christianity when we make it these code words because i think of even just like the history of hip-hop and you mentioned like tribe called quest and yeah. people that have these outward faith uh muslim faith but a lot of hip-hop had a gospel background a so they were using gospel tracks and all kinds of things yeah um but that's not like it's not quote unquote christian because they do or don't use certain words or terminology yeah um, and it's like you can you can be it, almost like what i hear from you prop is like you had, you spoke the language, but you didn't have the grammar. You didn't know the rules. That's good. So yeah. you could speak it well. And like, that's the difference for me of like hip hop could often speak the language of Christianity really fluently, but they were dismissed because they didn't have the grammar rules. And that's, that's like what made it Christian rap. Dude, that's such a good way to put it. Good job. Some that's bars, why I keep homie. them around. Bars. Yeah. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I, you, <laughs> let me give you an example of what you just said. It's There's two of them, Kendrick Lamar and Chance the Rapper, right? Yeah. Because Kendrick, I just don't know how you can argue that Good Kid, Mad City was not just a testimony service of how he got saved. Like, that's what that album is. Right. But he was able to paint the black. He was able to paint the darkness well enough because he can cuss. You understand what I'm saying? So he's articulated our faith very well, you know? I think we don't know what it means to be a Christian rapper. Is it... Like, what you're saying, is it like, is it the faith of the person? Well, if it's the faith of the person, then you can't check Kendrick or Chance off. Like, that's their faith, right? Is it what they put out? Well, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, because based on what you just said, I can name you a ton of worship leaders that aren't Christians. Just because they making Christian music doesn't make them believers. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So, Mm -hmm. so. And Chance just today went on Instagram Live and read through Galatians. It's Chance right, the rapper. Yeah. I saw. I saw he is like taking a sabbatical to go study. I want to go study the word. So like, so is I mean, is it cool to be a Christian rapper now? Like, is he a Christian rapper? Well, no, he's Chance the rapper. What do you mean? No, he's a Chance the rapper. There's no way in the world I can get on Instagram Live and just doing a <laughs> do an exegetical study of Lamentations and someone still think that Give I'm cool shot. and I'm just saying like with the rules of I mean oh. hell yeah I do that you know what I'm saying but like it just these constructs they're just they're ridiculous you know what I'm saying or they're not that they're ridiculous they're just they're made up they're just constructs you know and I think that's dope the way you said it that like you can speak the language, yeah. but you ain't got the grammar. Right. Well, and I just see that as such a uh, it's such, such a great metaphor, I think, for a lot of the world that we live in, where these people feel, they're made to feel like they don't have, like I, I taught a class called For Skeptics Only mm-hmm. um, when I was a pastor. And so I'd have all these people who come to me honestly thinking they weren't Christians anymore because their mom or husband or wife told them they weren't and come to find out it's because they couldn't say these three words anymore Mm -hmm. and that was all that it was and so we've we've made it so mechanical yeah and it's hurting a lot of people i think is my main point and that's my main thing that i am kind of raging against is we don't understand that when we do that it's to prop us up because we know if we just check the boxes we're in but that's excluding a lot of people 
Yeah, dude. And not only that, it's, I mean, that's just post-enlightenment empiricism. That's the notion that if you, if you get the notions right, you know, and I'm like, well, that's not, I don't, mm-hmm. this is not in our Bibles. Like, that's empiricism. Faith is a formula. Yeah, you know, did I say that right? Both of y'all intellectuals. Yeah, I'm just sitting here taking it in. I mean, that's why I asked you before about your own upbringing, because in a way, I mean, nobody can escape the Enlightenment, really, but no. like your spiritual experience was not centered on Enlightenment thinking. No. And a lot of white people's experiences in church is, even though it's really bad and doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. it's still intellectually oriented around a certain set of ideas, a system of thinking that gives you that sense of certainty yeah. that makes sure that you're in and other people are out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like you didn't have that. So that's I didn't have that in the beginning, yeah. and then yeah. I put it on, and then I took it off. Yeah. You took it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a lot of people listening who are in the process of taking it off. Yeah, dude. That, and, that's, and they're listening, and that's why I think this is really good for them to be hearing. Yeah. So what, what is, I want to look forward. What does that mean for you? What, what are your hopes for your faith and your music? Where do we go from here? That's good, man. I think there's like so many rabbit holes that I'm speaking in total metaphor, but like you, peer, you know, where you just peer over these like cliffs of where our enlightenment thinking says, you don't go over there. You know what I'm saying? Don't cross those tracks because it's dangerous. You know what I'm saying? I feel like, me personally, like if I really believe that my anchor is secure, then I'm going to run down that hole. Like I'm fine. You know what I'm saying? I may find some cool things down there, you know? So, I think for me, it's a matter of reclaiming that voice, that that strain, that narrative that I knew before I took it off. You know what I'm saying? And um, it's a second naivete. It's a second naivete. It's almost like I had to like. Which is re- a beautiful thing. Totally, I had to like retroactively ask my like deceased grandmother for forgiveness. You know? Yeah. For like dismissing her. Christian experience, which I even knew then was one of the realest, you know, experiences I had seen to this day. You know what I'm saying? But because she couldn't tell you what superlapsarianism was, you know, she's not, her faith isn't genuine. You know what I'm saying? So I think, so first of all, it's a matter of that. It's a matter of like, uh, again, for me, like bringing in and exploring sort of the the African traditions, you know what I'm saying? That that, you know, church was is four hundred years before Europe stopped throwing Christians the lions. You know what I'm saying? So like what what were Christians doing for them four hundred years? Well they was in Nibia, they was in Ethiopia, they was Mongolia for crying out loud. You know what I'm saying? So like let me go back and find like, you know, parts of my sort of origins and narrative and, and cultural experiences that like yo these people look like these people think like me these people you know they come from my motherland like let me learn a little bit of that and then learning how to sort of amalgamate my intuitive natural storytelling tone and ability and the way that I craft like words and bringing that back into sort of the music and the poetry that I make, you know what I'm saying? And what's crazy is like uh, meeting dudes like you guys in a weird way is like proof that there's a buyer out there. There is people that want to hear the type of hip hop and faith that I'm walking in, you know what I'm saying? So you're not out here by yourself. You're not just like making weird music for your garage, you know, like, no, nah, people don't want to hear this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, and I, when you talk about the rabbit hole, I, th- I like to talk about kind of faith as a wall or faith as a tether, mm-hmm. kind of moving from the wall to the tether where yeah. like one kind keeps you from exploring. Mm-hmm. It's like based on fear. And then the tether point is actually when you're more secure and it actually invites you to explore because you know you have that tether point. Yeah, dude. Um, That's another thing you just did where you just said what I was trying to say, but just way more articulate than me. Which one of us is the poet, dude? Like, <laughs> God, duh. But I, I think that probably really matters to it you. Does. I could sense that as a, a sense of freedom as an artist now to go be creative and to be and explore and not oh, have dude. that be opposed yeah. to your faith, but being fueled by it. Oh my gosh. Like, think about like if you're trying to make a movie, but your bad guy can't cuss. Like, your bad guy's like, shoot, darn, we're going to stab My you. word. My word. Stop like, that now. I'm yeah. not going to believe this bad guy is that bad. Like, he's kind of funny, you know? So it's like, I can't tell a story if you don't let me paint the black. You know what I'm saying? Like, so 
it's very freeing like you said as a tether to be like nah like i can paint the black like uh, let me let me tell this story the way that this story needs to be told if i'm gonna get you into the moment i mean the moment's gotta be kind of dark you know what i'm saying yeah yeah exactly well listen prop we are coming unfortunately to the end of our time here which we lament greatly womp, womp, womp. but listen for the seven people out there who don't know, don't know who you really are uh, uh where can they find you like on on online and yeah. are you working on any particular projects at the moment boy am i man i Ooh. am working on a ton of things i got i'm writing a book i'm working on a new album we're recording the third season of our podcast red couch and all of this stuff is going to start rolling out January 1. I don't know when this is going to be released, but it's going to be rolling out January 1. This might be a retroactive you figuring out we've been rolling this stuff out, which is <laughs> the beauty of recording. Anyway, so my uh, website is just prophiphop.com. That's prophiphop.com. All of my social media is also the same, just prop hip hop, prop hip hop, and prop hip hop. And the podcast is the red couch pod we do social and we call it brown-eyed social and political commentary with a hood twist so we just take your hot takes from your news sources and we're gonna kind of make them understandable for normal people almost like what y'all do for the bible you know what i'm saying yeah and to keep up with that we're gonna take that on tour touring this february and march with the brilliance and gunger so those tickets are available on also on my website please come see us It'll be this live, only with music and radness. <laughs> and um, Is that going to be like all over the place? It's or? all over the place, dude. Really? It's like totally Philly? all over. Yes, like Philly. Are you serious? All right. We well, you guys send us the date. We we gotta, can you we get us look. in for free? You can. I can <laughs> let you in for free. <laughs> this is recorded. We're going to hold it. Hold wait, you wait, to wait, it. Wait, let me finish. <laughs> as long as you buy merch. Yes. Oh, yes. are you kidding me? Of course. Hey, um, tell us a little bit about the book. Like, do you have a title yet, or what I do the have a book. I do have a title. Okay, it's just, no one knows this, so this is rad. The, the title's called "Terraforming," terraforming, making livable worlds, and it's just you know when you land, when we land on Mars, Mars is not an inhabitable planet. We have to do things to it to make it inhabitable, and what you do to a planet to make it livable is terraforming. And I'm just, what if we did that here with our culture and with each other? What if we started thinking about what do we needed to do? to make our world much more livable with each other. Hmm. Well, that's excellent. That's a very Christian topic. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. Wait awesome. T- wait till you hear the uh, wait till you hear the content. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> when I use yeah. the words that you could sell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Excellent. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. It was it was excellent. Yeah, dude. A lot thank of fun. you guys. All right, prop. We'll do it again. Thanks. All right, dudes. Well, folks, prop mentioned a song, and we want to send you off with that. But before we do, very quickly, Jared. Yeah, we have some exciting things here as we launch the third season. Uh, we've been dreaming about a lot of things and how we can keep building this community. We would love your support to help do these things. So if you uh, have found value in what we do, head to patreon.com front slash the Bible for normal people for ways you can support our work. See you next time. Here's prop. to deal with some in-house issues here. Hey, pastor, you know it's hard for me when you quote Puritans. Oh, the precious Puritans. Have you not noticed our facial expressions? One of bewilderment and heartbreak, like not you too, pastor. You know they were chaplains on slave ships, right? Would you quote Columbus to Cherokees? Would you quote Cortez to Aztecs, even if their theology was good? It just sings a blind privilege, wouldn't you agree? Your precious Puritans. They looked my onyx and bronze skin forefathers in their face. Their polytheistic, God-hating face. Their shackled, diseased, imprisoned face. And taught a gospel that said that God had multiple images in mind when he created us in it. Therefore, destined salvation contains a contentment in the stage for which they were given, which is to be owned by your forefathers. Superior image-bearing face, says your precious Puritans. And my anger towards this teaching screams of an immature doctrine and a misunderstanding of the gospel. I should be content in this stage, right? Isn't that what Paul taught? According to your precious Puritans. 
Oh, you get it, but you don't get it. Oh, then we can go back to an America that once were founded on Christian values. They don't build preachers like they used to. Oh, the richness of their revelation. It must be nice to not have to consider race. It must be nice to have time to contemplate the stars. Pastor, your colorless rhetoric is a cop-out. You see my skin, and I see yours. And they are beautiful, fearfully and wonderfully, divinely designed uniqueness. Shouldn't we celebrate that rather than act like it ain't there? I get it. Your Puritans got it. But how come the things the Holy Spirit showed them in a valley of vision didn't compel them to knock on their neighbor's door and say you can't own people? Your precious Puritans were not perfect. You romanticized them as if they were inerrant, as if the skeletons in their closet was pardoned due to their hard work and tobacco growth, as if abolitionists were not racist and just pro-union, as if God only spoke to white boys with epic beards. You know Jesus didn't really look like them paintings. I was just Michelangelo's boyfriend, your precious Puritans. Oh, they got it, but they don't get it. It's not one generation of believers that has figured out the marriage between proper doctrine and action. Don't pedestal these people. Your precious Puritans, partners, purchase people. Why would you quote them? Step away. Think of the congregation that quotes you. Are you an errant? Trust me, I know the feeling. Same feeling I get when people quote me like if they only knew. See, I get it, but I don't get it. <laughs> Ask my wife. And it bothers me when you quote Puritans, if I'm honest. For the same reason it bothers me when people quote me they precious propaganda. So I guess it's true that God really does use crooked sticks to make straight lines. Just like your precious Puritans. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.